The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Hello, hello. Yeah, so as she said, uh, my name is Anna Rose, and I'm super excited for the opportunity to get to talk to you guys a little bit. Um, the topic for today is identity, um, which is something that's really near and dear to my heart at the moment. Um, like she said, uh, I became a mom five months ago, so I'm still learning things as I go. Um, but my life changed pretty drastically, as a lot of you guys can probably attest to, who have been through that. Um, my sleeping patterns, the way I spend my time. Uh, so definitely all of those things impact identity. So these are things I'm, I'm learning, and as I have gotten to delve into this topic, it's been... Uh, very therapeutic for me in a lot of ways. So I'm excited to talk about something that I am currently growing in. Um, Through this talk, my hope is that we're gonna be able to answer three questions. Um, So if you are a note taker, uh, this is your moment. So we're gonna put them up on the screen. Um, Our three questions for this topic, um, the first one we wanna answer is, how do human beings find identity? The second question is, why should we care what God says about us? And the third one is, what does God say about us? So those are our three topics for today, three questions we're going to answer. So several months ago, I was listening to my Spotify account, and a commercial came on, and I am fully confessing that I am so cheap I do not pay for Spotify Premium. And if any of you guys are also cheapskates like me, you know that when a commercial comes on, the same one comes on over and over and over. And this one had to come on three or four times before I started to notice and kind of perk my ears up. Uh, But I think it is very pertinent to the topic of identity, and I think it sums up really well what our culture is currently telling us about how we define ourselves and who we are. So I actually want to pause for a second, and I want to show you this commercial. And as we're listening to it, I want you to just kind of think through what is the message here and what is is it telling us. So I'm going to pause, and we're going to turn our attention up here. Yeah, and they're just selling computers. So that's pretty intense. Um, So if that kind of went over your head, it was pretty quick. I just want to reiterate a couple phrases that stand out. What we believe in, what I believe in can't be contained. I believe in myself, in my passions, in my voice. I believe we can be everything we want to be. Be all of who you are. And then at the end, it says uh, something about your universe, which is a very (laughs) crazy phrase. That means that you are literally placing yourself at the center of the universe. Um, So I'm guessing that this is something that you guys have probably heard before. Um, It's a message that circulated in media 
um, in music, in television, and once you kind of start listening for it, you're going to see it over and over. And I have really seen it more and more as I've delved into this topic. Um, and this really sums up the uh, message that our modern American culture is telling us right now about identity. Um, it's all about you, and it's about you defining yourself by your own terms. Um, so it's actually a lot of pressure because they're saying that it's up to you. You have to be your own confidence queen. Um, you can be whatever you want, and you are your own hero. Um, and I think uh, if you guys, after this message, I would encourage you that as you consume media, as you can consume uh, you know, TV and music, I want you to start thinking about whether or not um, that's the message that's being conveyed. Um, and here's the thing, <laughs> this message of self-love and self-acceptance as a way to define and identify yourself, it's actually, um, it's not totally ineffective, and I would know because I have tried it. <laughs> um, this is a funny example, but it is 100% true, and it's hilarious to think about now. Uh, but when I was in high school, and I was just really hitting my stride in terms of insecurity, um, I was really in my insecure prime. Um, I would start every morning of my freshman year in front of the mirror with my perfectly flat ironed hair and my 2000s blue eyeliner. And I would say self-love things to myself in the mirror, which is so funny. Um, and I would like look myself in the eye and I would say like, you are awesome and you are not awkward. And <laughs> people love you. Um, and I would say these things to myself. And the crazy thing is, after about five minutes, I actually did feel pretty good. Um, and I would step out of my house with a new swagger. Um, but here's what I noticed. Once I rolled up to school, it took all of 25 seconds for the swagger to be gone. All it took was one side-eyed glance from a girl in my class named Raquel, and it was gone. It did not stick no matter how many times I stood in front of the mirror. So while there is, you know, power in speaking this truth to yourself, we're going to see that there are a lot of caveats to that, um, and it's not a sustainable approach to identifying yourself. Um, I want to pause here for a second and recognize the fact that we're an intergenerational crowd today. Um, and this example that I used and um, that approach uh, to defining ourselves, I think it probably applies a little bit more to the younger generation. And the message that we heard on that commercial is actually a newer message. Um, it's one that has been accepted and pushed, I would say, in the last 20 years. Um, and this is a topic that people have written whole books on, and I, I'm not going to be able to get into all that. Um, and you'll have to excuse me with my numbers. They're going to be a little loose here, but... If you're 35 or 40, um, typically our culture has actually defined you more by your role in society. Um, what you did, whether you were a mother, what your job was, your status, and your money. Um, so we're going to hit on both of those things, and I think they're both pertinent to uh, recognize. Um, so, you know, maybe you're sitting in the audience and you think, that is actually not really my generation, and it's not exactly how I tend to um, define myself. Um, but whether you are trying to muster up your identity from the inside out, or you're using your role um, and outside things to define yourself, we're going to see that those are not biblical and that they're not sustainable. Um, and if you are not in the place today, 
uh, where you're really Bible-believing or in a place where you're accepting the truths of Scripture, um, any psychologist who is worth their salt is also going to tell you these are not sustainable ways to define yourself. So, way back in the early 1900s, there was a sociologist named Charles Horton Cooley. Hang in there with me. I promise there is a point here. Um, So this sociologist came up with um, this idea that humans are incredibly relational and that we have a sense of self based on the relationships around us. Uh, This idea that we have to actually bounce who we are off of other people before we can really understand um, exactly who we are. And he called this the mirror self. So if you think about the concept of a mirror, none of us have actually seen what we look like. We have to have something in front of us that is reflecting who we are back to even know what we look like. So let's just have a little example here. I want you to imagine that you are the only human on the entire planet, so just one person. Would you think that you were intelligent or attractive or capable? or creative, or a leader, or funny, or lovable. All of these words are by nature comparative. Uh, Attractive in comparison to who or what? What would intelligent even mean in that context? If you're a leader, who are you leading? So I think that's important for us to kind of think through and put ourselves in that context. Um, we have to have someone on the outside, on the outside of ourselves, to define us. Um, And I'm going to say that again because it's one of the most important parts of this entire talk. We have to have someone outside of ourselves to define us. Um, So that is actually really, really an offensive concept, especially in light of what we saw in that video. Because we all, I want to say no one defines me. I am who I am, I am untouchable. But I think when we, when we start to put ourselves in that position, it resonates, and I think it really does speak to the human condition. Um, this idea of building a sense of self, it really starts from the time that we're conscious, um, and we do it subconsciously. So, you know, maybe I tell a funny joke, and somebody laughs, and I start to think, oh, okay, like, I must be a really funny person and we kind of file that away in our subconscious or you know somebody compliments the way we look or says oh like that's a great color on you and you file that away as another little piece of who you are and those are small silly examples but it happens in little ways and in really big ways Um, in light of this worldview in light of the mere self uh, you can really imagine how impactful things like childhood trauma are our relationship with our parents and broken relationships. And we could spend an entire talk uh, talking about how the more painful and the more difficult things in our lives shape us deeply and become hurdles that we have to overcome. And currently the world is full of people who are broken and walking around with wounds that they have gleaned from the messages people have told them. So I want us to do something that might be a little weird, but Oh well. Um, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, everybody. And I want you to answer a couple questions as honestly as you can. The first question is, who are you? 
Who are you? What words come to mind? Attractive, intelligent, artistic, musical, likable. You may identify as a mother, a wife, a lawyer, a teacher, a visionary. You might also think of words like worthless, pathetic, ugly, or stupid if the world hasn't been very kind to you. Okay, I want you to keep your eyes closed just a little bit longer, and I want you to think about why you think those things about yourself. Is it because someone said those things about you? Is it because that's what you want to be? Is it because that's how you spend most of your time, and so you've come to see yourself that way? Okay, we can open our eyes. Thanks for going along with me. Okay, now I want us to answer honestly, is there a single thing that we thought of that is truly unshakable? Let's say that your word was intelligent. What happens if your role changes at work and you are back at the bottom of the totem pole and you're a newbie? Do you start to bristle? Does that make you uncomfortable? I'll just throw one out there that hits close to home (laughs) for me right now. Let's say that your word is intelligent and all of a sudden you spend a lot of time cleaning up spit up and wiping the world's cutest bottom. (laughs) What happens? Yeah. Do you become less of who you are? Are you less of a person? Okay, I'm gonna take it a step further. What if you are clinging to the idea of being someone else's significant other and an abusive relationship leaves you lost and a shell of the person that you were before? Yeah. So, with this mirror self system that Cooley coined in mind, The question is not whether or not you're gonna let people define you. The question is who is going to define you? Who is going to define you? If we stick to this system and we let other people define us, we are constantly swinging between dangerous pride and crippling insecurity. We are dependent on the approval of other people around us and we are crushed by their disapproval. Our identity is not a concrete thing. It is ebbing and flowing based on our environment, based on the people we're around, or based on our position and our role in society. And this is where we see an old sociologist from the early 1900s and the Bible are colliding because the only way that we can truly understand who we are in any sort of concrete way is to allow God to be the one who defines us and who gives us an identity. So at this point, before we can dive into any sort of solution, I want to touch on the second point that I said we would talk about. Does anyone remember? What do I, you can yell it out if you do. Why should yes, yeah. Why should we care what God says about us? So if you have grown up in the church, I, I did grow up in the church, you've probably heard people say a lot, Jesus loves you. And especially if you've lived in the South, you maybe even even seen a couple billboards that say Jesus loves you. But a lot of times I think it goes in one ear and it goes out the other. And it does have, doesn't have an impact on our hearts or the way we live. 
Uh, who really cares what God thinks about me? Especially, it's 2023, he's invisible. Most of the time, I care a lot more what my peers think about me. Well, in 2020, I was at a really hard season in my life. Um, I had been, my husband and I were unemployed. We had moved like three or four times in a single year. Um, we were just really uprooted, um, and I was at a low po point and disconnected from my community, feeling super unknown. And I was uh, sitting on my couch, listening to a sermon from our home church, um, and our pastor was doing sort of a special Sunday where people could text in a question, and he would answer it from the pulpit. And so I was, you know, sitting on my couch, texting in a question, uh, feeling pretty low and pretty unknown. And our pastor, <laughs> I should preface, um, is someone who I love and cherish to this day. He has been a spiritual father to me, um, and he is uh, a man I will forever esteem. Um, so I could tell, my, they were kind of showing on the banner the questions that were coming up. I could see that my question came across the screen. And in a fleeting second, this man said, oh, well, this question comes from one of my favorite people. And that's all. I mean, it was maybe just two seconds. But I cannot tell you how touching and how moving it was to have this man, out of the blue, recognize me as one of his favorite people. It brought tears to my eyes. Um, I was like, write it on my tombstone. I am Mitch Jolly's favorite person. <laughs> um, yeah, it was so, so impactful. So if a single man can make me feel that way, if my pastor can make me feel that way, I want to think about, I want us to think about how much more should we be impacted uh, when God calls us by name, when he says that he loves us, he cherishes us, um, and he calls us out of death to life. Um, if we truly, truly know who God is, and what he's saying about us, it would absolutely rock us to our core, and it would change the way that we live radically and give us an unshakable confidence. So if when I say to you, God loves you, it goes in one ear and out the other, you actually have an esteem problem. You do not esteem God like you should, and so it has no impact on you. And the longer you spend staring in the mirror and trying to give yourself those you know, bolstering self-love tips, it is going to have no impact. I can stand up here all day long and tell you that you're awesome, but if you don't know me and you do not esteem me or, you know, the grocery clerk at the store tells you you're awesome, that is going to mean nothing to you because that person has no position in your life, no position of authority. So we have to learn who God is. We have to learn to esteem him. You were perfectly made by God and for God. Genesis 3.8 says that Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God in the cool of the day. That's how close and how intimate they were. And one of the saddest verses in all of scripture is Genesis 3.8 when it refers to that intimacy in the garden being broken. We were happy to be with God and to, be, to belong to him. Our, our relationship was perfect. There was nothing between us. We were content in his presence because he knew us and he loved us. But your sin has separated you from him. Ephesians 2, if you have time, you can go back and read that whole chapter. 
But Ephesians 2 tells us that we were dead in our trespasses, dead. A dead thing cannot do anything for itself. It is limp and it's decaying. But through Jesus, because of Jesus, and in Jesus, we can be reconciled to him, loved by him, and you, you can be called his child. Romans 5, 8 says, God proves his love for us in that while we were sinners, he died for us. And in Christ, nothing, nothing, nothing can take his love away. That is who you are. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers height nor depth or anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. This is a very, very different message than the world tells us. You do not hear the world calling you dead and decayed. But this is the message that is true and it's a message of hope. And the message of the world that's billed as freedom is bondage to you and I urge you to reject it as such. You are not capable, you are not perfect apart from Christ. You are no one on your own. You can never secure a position for yourself that is unshakable. It is cripplingly uh, difficult and uh, it's a crippling pressure to have to define yourself and to place your identity on something that is so constantly ebbing and flowing. You don't have what it takes inside yourself to be truly independent of what other people think of you. And you don't have to build your identity on how confident you feel on any particular day. Hallelujah. He mercifully reveals our weakness and his plan to save us. You are his precious and you are beloved if you submit yourself to him and boldly claim Christ's righteousness the real tool that you have in your belt to battle identity are the promises of Christ and they are only for you if you are in Christ. So we have talked about sociologists and we've been very theoretical but I do wanna take a moment to get very practical because identity is an issue for Christians and non-Christians. So when you become a Christian, you don't just stop struggling with identity. We see this in the church all the time. Um, We see a lot of friction around identity. And the first step is being able to recognize that you are having an identity issue and that it's being threatened. So I just want to read through some examples, and I hope that some of them will land on the crowd. Uh, Maybe something really dramatic in your life has happened, like abuse or someone walking out on us, but usually it happens in a hundred subtle ways throughout your day. Maybe you've had a role shift in your life. Your last baby goes off to college and all of a sudden you are sitting in your kitchen after 18 plus years of a clearly defined role asking yourself, now what? Maybe your closest friend is folded into a new social circle and all of a sudden she's talking to you less and it bothers you and you're wondering, who are my friends? Maybe the guy you're interested in doesn't seem to notice you and you slowly start changing your style and your interests to get his attention. Maybe you meet someone who's better than you at something, anything at all, and you cannot stand it. (laughs) 
and you just have to focus on what they're bad at so you can feel better about yourself. Guilty? Maybe you have a constant need to post on social media because you can't enjoy yourself unless everybody knows what you're doing and who you're with and what you ate. Maybe you struggle with insecurity and anxiety um, when you're in crowds and around other people. You just feel like everyone's looking at you, seeing all your flaws. Uh, Maybe you cringe at the word stay-at-home mom because you're so much more than that and you have to let people know. (laughs) Maybe you have a disagreement and someone misunderstands you and you have to get the last word in just so they know you're right. Maybe you became a believer recently and you cannot stop feeling guilty about your past and out of place around Christians and in the church. All of this is identity, every single one, playing like a broken record over and over and over. And uh, most of these were taken from my personal life and my personal struggle with this topic, so I am right there with you. But when you are in Christ, you have this amazing superpower because none of these things that threatened you in the past can really truly sabotage you at your core. Because at the absolute base and core of who you are, when the rubber hits the road, you can hold on to the fact that you are known and loved by God. When you feel threatened by people around you and you have this impulse to prove yourself and put somebody down, you can cling to the truth that even if no one in this room recognizes you, God recognizes you and calls you by name. When you have to be right, cling to the truth that God gets the last word and you are understood by him. When you're influenced by the opinions and pressures of other people and a constant need for approval, remember you have already received acceptance and approval from the God that designed the person you so desperately want approval from. We have to know at absolute base level that if you're not cool and you lose your friends and you're in the wrong and nobody even likes your Instagram post, that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You will never win the battle over your identity by searching deeper inside of yourself. You will never win the battle by measuring yourself based on the perceptions of other people and your position in life. You have to turn your eyes off of yourself. And I want to gently encourage you that if you're really in the midst of this battle right now, I want you to set the question of who you are aside, and I want you to instead ask, who is God? Because there's a weird paradox that as we focus on ourselves less and we focus on Jesus more, we begin to understand ourselves in light of who he is. If you have never submitted your life to Jesus and you've never taken hold of the hand of grace, it is extended to you today. And it is a real and tangible promise that can change you and change your life and give you something that will stick. I urge you to not delay. There is no you apart from him and you will spend the rest of your life trying to build an identity for yourself that other people are always threatening. You will spend the rest of eternity separated from the presence of the one who truly knows you and loves you. The one person in whose presence you are truly yourself and in whose presence you're truly at peace. Thanks for listening. 
We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.